All right, so there's two categories. There's red flags and there's deal breakers. Red flags means like, watch out. Deal breaker means I'm not going to treat you. Okay. So if there's two red flags, so this is just how I train my staff. If there's two red flags, we can't see them. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career with your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello fellow dental geeks and thank you so much for joining me for episode 12 today. I am so sorry that I haven't been posting so much at the moment. Uh, basically life got in the way, my wife had a baby, his name is Ishan. I sort of reference it in this episode. So this was recorded when Ishan was two weeks, now he's near 10 weeks. So it's taken two months for me to produce this episode, but we're going back on track now for lots more episodes coming up your way. I also had two other big events happen in my life. So one was my ortho exam. I'm doing a, a, a postgraduate diploma in orthodontics and that's now finished. And I'm pleased to say I passed with distinction. So I was super happy about that. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was great to have been through the diploma, but you know when you're like studying for an exam, it's like finals, you're like studying, 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 and then you just can't wait for it to be over. So I'm glad it was over, but honestly had a, had a great time in Manchester with uh, Mohammed Almuzian and the ACE group of orthodontics. So, so that was amazing. So good news to share with you in that aspect. And of course, if you're on social media in dentistry, you would have heard about the Dental Tubules Congress 2019. It was a huge success uh, and I got to welcome to the stage Professor Marcus Blatt because I was chairing the morning session on Friday and also one of my heroes in occlusion, Dr. Michael Melkers, and he put on a great show. So uh, the Congress was just phenomenal. So the, there is an early booking sort of system happening at the moment to so get an early early bird discount for for the congress 2020 that's a dentinal tubules congress 2020 uh, i don't get paid to say this i'm telling you because i want you to come i want to meet you there it literally is the best dental conference stroke congress uh, and it really it's none of these things it's, it's an experience Along with this post, I'll post a link for you to book on. I think you can only book until the 17th or the 18th of October. So not long left for you to get your early early bird discount to secure your place for next year. It's held in Heathrow Park in Oxford, which is a, a great place. We sort of dominate the entire sort of resort, if you like. Uh, and it is just phenomenal. Do come next year. Some amazing speakers like Mario Semenza, Didier Daitsi, Ed McLaren, Ian Dunn and Buta Ubi. Tiff Qureshi, James Baker, Andrew Chandrapal, and Govinda Birth again. So do check that one out. So today's episode is with Implant Ninja. His name is Ivan and it, it, it's full of gems and it sort of went in a few directions that I wasn't expecting it to go for the better and honestly it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So I'll, I'll tell you how it's broken down. I want you to think of this episode as, it, as though it's broken into three parts. The first part we just discuss about implants and occlusion. So that's the whole, you know, the the crux of it, the, the, the clinical knowledge. And to people who are placing implants, it might be quite basic, hence why I titled it Basic Implant Occlusion. But for those maybe dental students, DFs, or those who just don't deal with implants, there is some knowledge in there to be gained. And I also ask questions such as, when you're replacing a canine, do you still want, with an implant, do you still want to have canine guidance? And, and things like that, basically. So that's the first aspect is, or first part of it, we'll be talking about implants and occlusion. The second part of it, we're talking about how Ivan, who's a super busy guy, a prosthodontist, can achieve a good work-life balance. And it's very interesting the way he's designed his life. Uh, you might find that it's very difficult to, to for you to be able to recreate that, but actually, I think if you put your mind to it, you can set up a scenario where you're working 
the right number of days for you so you can have the right number of days focus on you know the energy can go elsewhere in your life where you want it to go so we talk about how he achieves work-life balance that's worth listening to and at the end we talk about how he screens his patients or rather how he has delegated now and trained his team to screen for patients who are red flag patients and what we call deal breakers, patients who he refuses to see. And this is so, so amazing, this this knowledge. And I, I want to apply it straight away. I'm gonna, I'm gonna train my staff up to, to sort of watch out for these things when they're dealing with phone calls or, or Facebook advertising and stuff. Red flag patients, it's really, really great insight. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording with Ivan, he's a, he's a top guy. Uh, and at the end, I, I can reference to his, uh, you know, his, his online profile so you can learn more about what he has to offer. But before we dive into the episode, I want to share with you today's protrusive dental pearl. Uh, and this one is inspired by my good friend Zach, Zach Cara. Um, he told me to listen to James O'Brien's podcast called Full Disclosure. So I checked it out and I listened to the episode with one of my heroes, Malcolm Gladwell. Um, and it was an interesting quote that Malcolm Gladwell said. It's basically, there is something unattractive about someone who cannot change their mind. So there is something unattractive about someone who cannot change their mind. And I totally agree with this. And the context into which he was asked this was along the lines of what if you are proved wrong in one of your arguments, in one of your uh, sort of uh, theories. And what Malcolm Gladwell says I really love is that, you know what, I get happy in a way when someone proves me wrong so I can improve myself. And I think as dentists, and especially as reflective practitioners, we need to adopt this attitude. So if you are if you know hopefully you're not like this but if you know someone who's very you know quote unquote set in their ways and with new techniques coming out better ways to do things they are still you know keeping within their comfort zone and doing things the way they they've always done it just because of you know convenience or economics or whatever and there are and and they don't like to be proved wrong or they don't change their their philosophy or change their techniques or change their mind then that is an unattractive feature about someone so don't be that guy. Be someone who, you know, if someone came to me and uh, poo-pooed my work uh, and said to me that you're dealing with your cases all wrong because of X, Y, Z, and that was credible and there was evidence for it. Uh, and actually, I'd be like, you know what? Thank you so much for showing me a better way. And I would like to think that I jump ship completely overnight uh, and to do it the, the, you know, the proven better way. So totally, it's totally cool to change your mind, change your techniques if it benefits your patients, if it benefits you as a dentist. So don't be afraid to... You know, just because you're doing something a year ago to, to change your philosophy, don't feel that people will look at you as, oh, you know, he used to do it that way and now he or she is doing it a completely different way. What does that show about their beliefs or whatnot? Well, actually, no, times are changing, techniques are developing. You know, it's a good thing to change your mind in dentistry and how, what kind of practitioner you are. Change is good. So let's dive right in with Ivan, the Implant Ninja. Ivan, aka Implant Ninja. Okay, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you are from the states. Whereabouts in the states are you speaking with me from? I am in Stockton, California. Oh, California, lovely place. And uh, what's the weather like today in California? Uh, it's probably gonna be like a hundred and five degrees. It, it, it's it, you know when you say California, it's not like you know it's not like beachy, beautiful. I mean, it, it's Central Valley, lots of farms, uh, lots of hoodlums. It's like it, it, it's not it's not really like the nicest part of California. I fine, fine, fine. Um, and uh, w- w- did you grow up in California? Uh, no. So I was born in Lima, Peru, and I immigrated with my parents when I was uh, two years old. We moved to Florida and then moved all around and ended up in the uh, Bay Area of California. Okay. And uh, but, but people from Peru, what, what's the, the national language of Peru? I'm showing my ignorance here. 
Uh, it's it's Spanish. It's I thought Spanish. so. So you, you you are fluent in Spanish, yeah? Yeah, I am. I mean, I I speak like a gringo, but uh, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I still do speak Spanish. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. And so uh, tell the listeners out there uh, a little bit about yourself, about Implant Ninja, uh, and the type of uh, practice that you have. Sure. So um, so I'm a prosthodontist. I uh, you know after my parents, I, uh, I I kind of like followed in their footsteps. They're both dentists. And uh, I decided that uh, I kind of liked their lifestyle. They, you know, growing up, they always went to my, you know, science camp, my my field trips, and I wanted to do the same for my children. So I decided I want to be a dentist and uh, kind of have a flexible schedule. Um, so awesome. I went to UOP Dental School in San Francisco. Then I drove. I, I got married. I, I dragged my wife across the country. Went to University of Michigan for prosthodontics. Is, it, is your wife a dentist? No, she's not. She is a hygienist. And so okay. we actually graduated in the same ceremony and uh yeah she, she's actually I, I met her in high school because okay. I, I i um i was kind of a troublemaker in high school and i, I ended up getting in fights and uh trying to like start a business in high school so i ended up getting kicked out and i had to go to another city to go to high school wow and, uh, what a story <laughs> but it, it was great because i i, I met her and it's destiny you know, yeah yeah we, we've been together ever since um so yeah i, I dragged her to michigan uh, I think she was a little resentful at first about it because it's so, you know, it's so different from California. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I did my training there for three years. And, and she was also doing her hygiene school training there as well? or So so she, so she both of us finished our uh, our training. So I finished my dental training. She finished her hygiene training in California. And then we oh. moved to Michigan so I could do my prosthodontics. And okay. um, just so she could, I guess, just be with me. <laughs> so so she, yeah, she, she's, she got a license out there. I got a license out there, so we we both were were working at the same time. Okay, the reason I asked that about uh, whether she's a dentist or you know hygienist is pretty much uh, cl- close enough, really, is because uh, as dentists we're, we're a very um, incestuous bunch. Uh, my wife's a dentist. I know plenty of dentists married to other dentists or even dental nurses or hygienists or, or, or whatever you know. So we we do uh, ha- have a pretty closed loop. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, fine. So uh, tell us about Implant Ninja. That's a really cool concept you're going have going there. And uh, tell us about how Implant Ninja came to be. Sure. So I was in my prosthodontics residency and um, I just started posting about my stuff. I po- started posting my cases because one of the big pain points for me was when I was learning uh, implant procedures in my dental school, there was not good resources. I, I remember I was doing a full arch case and uh, I, I was leaning on my instructor heavily for, for you know, help with the case. And he told me to look it up on YouTube. Uh, so it, it, was, it was very, very, very hard for me to figure out what the heck I'm supposed to be doing with these cases, especially because mm-hmm. like the, the, the senior dental students, they didn't want to do these cases because it didn't fulfill their requirements. So they passed, they, they passed them off. And I was one of the one of the people that was collecting as many implant cases as possible. So I decided that as I'm learning, I'm going to be posting things. And, uh, Brilliant. and, and that, that was in 2016 um, that I, I really started posting a lot. And and I found out that people really appreciated a lot. So I decided to put it all together in a book. And it was a really, you know, really basic handbook. Uh, not nothing. Is it the all on X? All on yeah, X? It was, it was, yeah, that was the first edition of the all on X handbook. And it got such, it was like received so well, like a lot better than I, I thought it would be. And um, it was really actually, I think it's because it's so unique. Most textbooks are so dry and, you know, you buy them, they sit on the shelf because you don't want to read them. Uh, I don't think anybody has time to read textbooks. So I, uh, I, I wrote it in a way that's like, you know, you're having a beer with me and I explain basically in plain English uh, what I'm doing. 
and so that was really popular that's really good and i, I really love the title you know all on x it's just it was i really when i saw that on your on your website i was like that, that's cool yeah. uh so i you know I, I think that's really cool you had a lot of success with that and then how'd that evolve into uh you got lots of like a, a training series like videos now yeah uh, so i i think that there were not too many dentists on social on uh, instagram back then and so i i got you know i got a good size following and I, I went to the the DIA conference last year, and then I—that's when I realized that people were actually like like real people were actually listening. Um, they uh, they they came up to me. They said, "Hey, I've been following you for years," and I'm like, "Wow, that's 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 nuts." You know, I, I didn't think anybody was listening, right? I just was just posting for fun. <laughs> and um, and so since then, I've gotten serious. Uh, you know, I I try to really focus on on the end user and the user experience and like what they would appreciate. So I, I think of them now. And so I, I kind of translated that into what I think is the best online uh, dental implant course. Uh, because like I, I've seen implant courses where, or I've seen, sorry, online courses where you buy it and it's like a set of like 10 videos or something. And I, you know, that's not, that, I think that mm -hmm. gives online, that's given online courses a bad name. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We worked so hard on this Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. And so I'm very, very mm. uh, cognizant of that. So how's yours different? Now, so mine, I, what I really strive to do is make it interactive and make it feel like I'm there. So the way I do that is by I have it in um, in like quarter systems, you know, kind of like an academic, academic um, school year. So it'll start one sure. quarter and then there's topics that are covered and I'm available and I'm, I'm doing like live demonstrations and things like that. So that's kind of, it, it, it's way different. It's pretty comprehensive in the set of like instructional videos, downloads, homework assignments. But on top of that, uh, there's a personal element to it. So like, I actually mail you things. I actually like, I'm physically feels like I'm physically there, I think. So that's that's what I'm trying to do. That's really amazing. I think uh, something that um, I've said on time and time again on, again on my podcast is uh, is standing on the shoulder, shoulders of giants. And you've, you've had obviously mentors that you've followed and you're trying to package your content to accelerate learning for others. Uh, and that's what I think the new era of dentistry with all the uh, different, even on Facebook, there's so many f helpful forums. Uh, YouTube, there's lots of great stuff uh, that you can learn on and just messaging and, 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 and study groups as well, physical study groups. There's always opportunities to learn and advance quicker there's no point in reinventing the wheel i think so but it's it's i i feel like it's a little bit cluttered right now that like, like mm. for example youtube you go to implant surgery youtube right um if you look up implant surgery you'll see like a hundred different things but you don't know which one is you don't know the context behind any of them you'll see implant going in yep. and then you don't see like okay um they didn't tell me what they were doing they just had some weird music in the background <laughs> uh, like i don't know the follow-up i don't know the con you don't you don't know anything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you have to be careful, obviously, when you're looking at uh, content, when you're uh, trying to learn from that to actually, yeah, like you said, have some context and some to actually make it educationally focused rather than someone just showing off their skills or showing off that, hey, here's this treatment. I think most people are just showing off their skills these days. And, and that's why I feel really, really 
confident that uh, that I'm going to be very successful because I'm 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 very straight up. Like I'm not the best clinician. I I feel like I do good work. Uh, I feel I feel like I I know these implant things you know in and out. But um, you know I'm I'm just like a regular dude that's trying to share mm-hmm. like what I've learned. Beautiful. So now uh, that leads me very nicely on. Please share with me, Ivan. Okay, let's discuss because you know my, my podcast called Protrusive Dental Podcast. It's got a bias towards occlusion, something I'm um, quite passionate about. Uh, I want to know from you about occlusion and implants. So let me tell you a little bit about my knowledge with um, uh, implants and occlusion, and and basically with a single implant. And uh, and please tell me how you, how you tackle it with a single implant. Let's say you're replacing a molar or a premolar. Once you place your crown uh, after, you know, whether you're doing a delayed approach or whatever, let's not get in too much into that. Or maybe that's part of it. So you can you can tell me. But basically, when everything hits together, the implant should not be holding shim. So shim stock falls obviously at eight microns or uh, 12 microns, depending on which type you buy. Uh, and it should be passing through, uh, i.e. it's the implant protected occlusion. So tell me, correct me in terms of what I've said there, in terms of the single implant and the occlusion on that? I think you're spot on. And I think that if the patient has a full set of teeth and they're just replacing one tooth, it's very simple, right? You just kind of uh, mm-hmm. leave that implant out of, no, not, not holding shim. And that's a pretty slam dunk case. The only other thing that I would add to that is that you would check the excursive movements. So you know how the, yes. the articulating paper has one blue side, one red side. Usually I just mm-hmm. put the blue side have them bite down, tap, tap, tap into uh, CEO. And then I would turn the articulated paper to the other side and have them do their excursive movements. And I make sure that my implant does not have any contact in excursions. Perfect. Brilliant. So, so that's a, the, the very simple case. Um, now, what about when you increase the number of implants? So this is the, you know, we were discussing before about the gray areas and, you know, suddenly, well, what if you have like three or four implants you know, scattered they've collected over time and then you've also got uh you know natural teeth which is maybe a, a scenario i don't know is that a common scenario or not because uh, it might not be common because either they need a you know full clearance and all on x or maybe they need they just have the one or two implants but do you see that sort of a transition phase where there's sort of strategic implants place and there's lots of teeth there as well yes so i think i think the way to approach this question is i think i think Basing it off of a number of implants is probably not the best approach. I think mm-hmm. the best approach is seeing how stable is their occlusion otherwise, right? So if they have, um, I mean, if they have multiple areas of, uh, of, I guess, multiple edentulous areas, and they are relying heavily on um, the new areas that you fill in. So if you have to restore occlusion to them, so they're missing. I don't know, they're missing um, two molars on one side, they're missing three molars on another side, they're missing uh, canine or something. So yep. if you're reconstructing the occlusion into them, you mm. have to depend on your implants to recreate those excursive movements and recreate some of the occlusal stops. So yes. that's like, uh, that could be so many different scenarios, but you have to, uh, you have to make that distinction whether you're recreate you have to recreate the excursions and the occlusal stops or if it's already created and you're just filling in some some voids so um, i mean i would love to say like hey if you're doing more than three uh molars um you should recreate some of the the um the the working movements Mm. yeah some of the working movements and some of the occlusal stops but it's real it'd be hard for me to say that as a, yeah. you know, as it depends on so many factors obviously <laughs> I, I completely respect that yeah. um, how, how about um, 
in situations whereby you know canine guidance is something that we use a lot for restorative convenience the fact that it's a good distance away from the temporal mandibular joint so the forces are, are, are less what if you have a single implant replacing a canine and everything else is attacked now in that situation I imagine that actually in that case you don't want canine guidance. Is it fair to then shift your guidance in that case to maybe group function and actually uh, to include or not to include the canine? Have you? Uh, I'm sure you must have encountered situations of replacing um, implants and canines. Yes, I think that is totally reasonable to do that. But um, so if they currently have canine guide, if they had canine guidance, and then you're trying to shift them over to group function, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. So some if if it's easy if they are very close to being at group function. So if the rest of their teeth are just barely almost, um, you know, in contact with each other during the excursions, but sometimes that movement is a little bit mm -hmm. further away. And so if that canine is gone and you can't, if you can recreate the, um, the, the group function, um, I, I definitely would. But if you have to, uh, alter a lot, uh, to get there, then um, yeah. it's a little bit difficult. You might uh, you might have to do a little bit more work than you anticipated um, to 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 get that group function. You might have to you know rebuild with some composite or rebuild with some crowns mm. or, or or a combination. Absolutely. Of that. So uh, let's just now move on to full arch. Full arch cases, something that uh, I understand you do quite a, quite a bit of. So uh, full arch uh, dentistry. And yeah. when we look at complete dentures, so complete dentures with with no implants uh, supported, the whole concept of the balanced uh, occlusion or the lingualized occlusion. So as the patient sort of um, excurses to the right, there's there's still some contacts on the non-working side to balance everything. How mm -hmm. does does that mm -hmm. is, does that have a role in implant uh, full arch cases as well? I personally don't don't think so. I mm -hmm. um, in my full arch cases, I restore them to group function. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the same. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not the same proprioception. Um, it. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is that with um, with natural teeth, uh, you want the heightened sense, the heightened proprioception will help you to disclude your teeth and protect your teeth. But with uh, with with full arches, I don't have them rely on specific points of that arch because what I think is most likely to happen is for that prosthetic material to fracture. And so I would rather put the patient mm -hmm. in a group function. And no, I don't have uh, balancing contacts. I, um, I feel the balancing contacts like indentures um, is more useful for stabilizing the dentures, but these mm -hmm. uh, full arches don't necessarily have to be stabilized. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. one thing that um, I see a fair bit of is people coming in with, uh, you know, uh, a screw-retained uh, implant crown, let's say, and they come in, oh, my, my implant crown is loose. And obviously, it just needs the, the screw, screw tightening a little bit, right? And I use your quarter return. And that's a, a very common, like, in a mini emergency that you would see. Is that is that right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, do you think that you see that more in patients who parafunction as an observation that you made? Is that is that something that you buy into? <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll give you an example. I... I... <laughs> There was a patient that I, I placed in. So it was a scenario where I, I go to other offices to work in their clinics sometimes, and some clinics uh, are faster paced than others. And I'm not proud to say this, but for one patient, I, you know, he had a treatment plan already. He had an implant already treatment plan for number 11. I looked at it. I was like, okay, great. looks good. Let's do it. So I did the implant. And then I went to restore him, you know, uh, four months later. And then I was, I was delivering the crown and I kept checking the occlusion and the occlusion would never go away. So like my, my blue dot never went away. Right. Mm -hmm. And I kind of took a step back and I looked at the whole scenario and it turns out 
that in his entire mouth, even though he he had, you know, he had most of his teeth in his entire mouth, he was only occluding on the tooth that I was delivering. That was the that was the mm-hmm. only one. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he uh, yeah, he he came back a couple times because it, it the the prosthetic uh, crown kept fracturing, and he was a case that was parafunctioning on top of that. So I do see that my patients that have parafunctional habits tend to have more screw loosenings, uh, just kind of mm-hmm. like from my experience, but I don't know if it's, you know, directly related. Well, we'll never know in terms of uh, that, that study probably is very, it would be very difficult to conduct, but it's something I've noticed that uh, patients come in and those with you know, bigger masters and uh, have other worn teeth, those are the ones who come in that, oh, my screws loose again, needs tightening. Mm-hmm. So that was just an observation I made. So uh, Ivan, can you tell me um, any other principles or anything that you want listeners to gain in this sort of um, topic of occlusion with implant prostheses? Uh, I think it's important to, yeah, I think there's one takeaway from it, and you've probably talked about it before, but to get shim stock, that's like the the easiest thing that anybody could do to improve their clinical practice, use shim stock uh, and Mm -hmm. the the other conventional articulating paper. I guess one good takeaway point would be drill home that no occlusion on cantilevers, right? So there's no occlusion on cantilevers for full arches. And what I, what I even do for several of my patients, and I tell them ahead of time that I will use a shortened dental arch concept. Sure. So I'm not going to be restoring, mm-hmm. for a full arch, I'm not going to restore two premolars and two molars, right? So I might, I might um, shorten it by mm-hmm. a molar, or if it's a case where I cannot get enough posterior support with the implants, I'll, I'll even shorten it to one yeah. premolar and one molar. Uh, so, you know, semi-unconventional, but... Um, if the patient does not have a huge smile, uh, and if they're okay with that, then I think it works really nicely yep. to have a, a shorter arch and less stress on the implants. Less stress uh, on the implants and less stress for you as a clinician as well going forward. <laughs> yep, yep, for sure. How often do you think um, implant crowns uh, are, you know, the longevity of them in terms of the fact that obviously they don't have a periodontal ligament, so they take a lot more stress and strain within the prosthesis itself. Uh, and obviously you get uh, very commonly uh, crown chipping, porcelain fracture, uh, prosthesis fracture. When you consent your patients, uh, obviously, you know, um, you just tell us, what is your, what do you, what do you tell patients? I'm your patient, I'm having a, a upper premolar or a molar replaced. What, what kind of things are you telling me in terms of what to expect from longevity of both the, the, the fixture, the implant fixture, and of the crown. Uh, can you give us a flavor of that? Sure. I mean, it's probably the same thing that, that you tell your patients. I tell my patients, look, what is generally, accept, generally accepted for uh, longevity of these things is uh, 10 years. If you got it for more than 10 years, you're, you're doing good. If, um, but a lot of that depends on you know, how often I see you. If you're coming to all of your maintenance visits, if you're getting uh, your other teeth taken care of, then I feel like we can get you uh, get this to last for you a really, really long time. I'm, I'm not going to tell them that it's going to last in 20 or 30 years. I'm not going to tell them it's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always under-promise to all of my patients for sure, and then I, I try to over-deliver, over-deliver to them. Um, but yeah, I, I tell them that um, I want it to get to 10 years, and if we can get it longer, awesome, but they got to come to mm-hmm. the maintenance. Brilliant. And do you tell them, though, that, oh, I'm expecting the implant to be maybe, um, you know, hopefully going strong, but sometimes the, the crown itself needs uh, more regular replacing? Or is that something that is not part of the process? I'm, 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 not, I'm not sure. You tell me. Sure. Yeah. I, I'd say it's a, it's a 35-year-old patient. I will tell them that most likely you'll have to get this, this crown redone uh, at some point. And I tell them that, that even though implant has, implants have a really high success rate, they also can have 
a higher um, complication rate in the long run. So mm. this is not one and done. You're not going to, this is not the last you've seen of this implant. You're going to have to do something to this in the future, whether that is, um, I don't know, you're going to have to get it clean, but whether you're going to have to get some revision to it um, in the future is totally realistic. So I, I definitely warn them ahead of time because implants, I mean, sorry, patients often think that implants are the solution and it's, it's permanent and they're just not going to have to deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to, I want to make sure to, to reset their expectations. That, 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 that's that's really uh, that's uh, really important. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a, a dentist in um, in England uh, in Sheffield uh, who I heard about. I, I don't know who this dentist is, but but you know we all talk about this dentist who very famously, as part of this consent process for uh, implant provision, he will bring the patients back for a separate appointment prior to implant placement. Okay, uh, and he will give them a quiz. He will actually test them. Okay. You know, uh, how long will, will your implant last? What type of complications can you have? So it'll actually be like an examination, you know, like a school test. Okay. And, and he also <laughs> charges, he, he also charges money to his patients for the privilege of doing this test. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> so whoever you are, if you listen that. to this podcast, I love you. You're doing great. That's, that's awesome. That's consent to the max. Uh, so <laughs> That's on true. that note, let's, yeah. let's leave that uh, very fun uh, discussion about, um, you know, uh, occlusion implants. And let's go to even more fun stuff. Ivan, can, you, can we talk about uh, family and work-life balance? Really? That's like the most important topic for me. That's uh, something I think about on a daily basis. And yeah, there's nothing more important than that. Amazing. And to my listeners, um, uh, two weeks ago, my wife gave uh, birth to a baby boy. So this is a, a huge part of my life. I'm, I'm, I may sound okay, or maybe I don't. I'm not sure, but I'm extremely <laughs> sleep deprived at the moment. Um, so it is. Is that so your first? It, it's our first. Yeah, absolutely. How many, how many children do you have? Congratulations. Yeah, so I, I, have, I just have one. I have okay. one little girl. Brilliant. What's her name? Her name is Olivia and she's a uh, two and a half. Amazing. So, um, tell me, how do you balance uh, your wife, Olivia? And is it is it your, your practice? Do you own this practice? Um, I own the practice. I don't own the facility. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you own your, yeah, so you run your own practice. You, you you run the practice or or not? I do. I do. Okay. You run the practice. You go to other clinics to place implants. You run a very successful uh, implant training program, Implant Ninja. Uh, you're very active on social media, and I think you do that a fantastic job of that. Um, you have time to to speak to me from from the states to here uh, for this podcast. How, how do you how do you fit everything in? And obviously, something you've, you've disclosed now, you're very passionate about this. Please tell us how can we run our lives better? <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us about you. Tell you, you, you do you tell us about how you make it work. What are your philosophies? How, how does it happen for you? Sure. Okay. So for me, family above everything, for sure. But I'm I'm the I'm the hardest worker that I know at least. I, mm-hmm. I, um, so let's see. I'll just I don't know like a formula, but I'll just mm-hmm. tell you what I do basically. Please. <clears throat> so when I was gonna have when I, my daughter was gonna be born, uh, she she was born with a condition, and it was uncertain whether to, she'd be able to survive birth. And so my wife and I really focused a lot on finding the right experts to getting her uh, you know safely delivered, mm-hmm. and then um, her situation managed because she was highly unstable for for a while and so i was unable to work uh, a conventional job so i had to find the most uh the highest paying job for the least number of days yeah and so um i've always like looked at my time as uh like allocation of scarce resources so Mm -hmm. anything that i'm doing 
um, my, I have to allocate it for the biggest return. And so <clears throat> my, my daughter's doing fine now, but Amazing. the same, I still got the same philosophy. I limited my practice to dental implants. And so what I did, um, even through, even like three years prior to graduating, I made my website for my clinic. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I graduated, I was already getting phone calls to my cell phone for full arch cases. That is amazing. I mean, the level of, uh, I mean, uh, dedication and enterprise that you showed there three years before, that's a great vision you had there. Well, thank you. Uh, well, actually, sorry, it was two years before because mm-hmm. I knew that it takes a while to climb in the rankings in, in Google. And I, I, I wow. really made my, my content very, very specific. So it was specific to the all on four. And I mm-hmm. saw that most people just put marketing out there. But I actually made a handout. I made a, I made a PDF like handout. It was like 50 pages or something. I made it for free uh, for anybody that wants to learn like on a, from a patient's perspective what, uh, what implant dentures are all about and all in for. So that got me a lot of patients actually. And so Brilliant. I tried to always keep cash flow as king. So I'm not gonna, I, I didn't take out any loans for my, for my practice. I just mm-hmm. you know, started seeing patients. I let, the, I let the cash flow come in. And from the cash flow, I hired my staff and kind of like reiterated and I, I got my practice going and I kind of maintain that same philosophy. I don't work five days a week. I only work two days a week with clinic and mm-hmm. I screen my patients very, very, very heavily. Uh, anybody gives me a hard time, they're out of here. Like I'm, I feel like a jerk for doing that. I feel like, like I'm a prima donna or something, but yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. like I care about my managing my stress so much because life is just too short. This is amazing. This is just so good. This is this. Is, I'm I'm loving this. Uh, and as, as soon as you say that, I you know I'm sure anyone who's listening to this, any dentist listening to this right now, as soon as Ivan said about <laughs> about this concept, you've automatically had four or five names of different patients or faces. Their faces come up. Like <laughs> you know what? I wish I'd screened them better. Um, so h- h- how do you screen them? Tell me your screening process. Is this within the two days of clinical that you have, or is this like a separate day? Or uh, describe that it, to it's, me. It's within two days. It's within two days. Okay. I have a, a list. I have what's called a red flags list. Mm-hmm. And I train my staff to screen my patients for me. So bef- so my staff, my treatment plan coordinator will see the patient first. If there's any red flags, um, they will, if, if, if they're red flags so much that they're, you know, that they're mixed from the practice, they're going to dismiss the patient before the patient even sees me so they don't waste my, my, my chair time. That is super. Can I, can, um, can I just, uh, sorry to interject, but I, I really, I'm really, really interested in this. So um, if it's okay with you, can you share what, what you mean by red flag? So uh, what I interpret as a red flag, okay, is, um, uh, let's see, expectations that are not realistic, for example. So for example, someone says, I want implants and I want them to last forever. And they're adamant that that's the case. And that's and obviously, and very, or any restoration, anything. And if they have expectations like that, that's a red flag for me. Is that the sort of thing you mean, Ivan? Yes, exactly. So red flags. Tell me what are these red flags? I'm, I'm really interested. Okay. I feel like I'm going to get some judgment on this because I'm so picky. But I'm going to share it with you anyway. Everyone, please don't judge Ivan. I think what he's onto is really, really good. And actually, you know, if it means that we have a more successful practice with less stress, less repeat dentistry, less failures, because if, if patients are red flags, you, you know, it's typical that they have the most failures. So let's listen to Ivan and don't judge him. All right. So there's two categories. There's red flags and there's deal breakers. Red flags means mm-hmm. like, watch out. Deal breaker means I'm not going to treat you. Okay. So wow. if there's two red flags, so this is just how I train my staff. If there's two red flags we can't see them. So, um, all right, these are the red flags. So two red flags are like uh, a deal breaker. (laughs) Yeah. 
okay, this is like in the. In, do, 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 do you like soccer? Football? Yeah. Are you, are you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like two, two yellow cards and it's a red card. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I, cool. I should just make it a soccer analogy for my team. So it'd be more fun. <laughs> you should. <apparently. laughs> You're banned. Okay, so the red flags. Uh, the first one is says the word perfect, as in, I want my teeth to be perfect. Okay. okay. Um, somebody says they want their teeth to be perfect, but they're perfectly nice patient. Otherwise, if they're like a really nice human being and really compliant, that's okay. I'm willing. To, mm-hmm. I'm willing to work with them. All right. Yep. Uh, next one is a a, uh, a smoker that just will not stop smoking um, and you know going through like two packs a day or something. All right. Good. That's very sensible. Uh, good. Next good. one is uh, poor health. Uh, I know it's very general, but what I mean is like an uncontrolled medical situation that they're not uh, motivated to take care of on their own. Uh, if they're not motivated to take care of themselves. Okay, so we're talking like uh, diabetes and uh, uh, just generally not looking after themselves, other conditions. Yeah, that but sort of I stuff. mean, not not just diabetes. Uh, diabetes, and they're not, uh, and they they tell me straight up like I'm not working on on improving. If they tell me that, you know, they're just not motivated okay. to help themselves. Or maybe they are, uh, you know, uh, they have been prescribed, let's say, a CPAP for uh, obstructive sleep apnea, for example, and and they just don't care. They don't want to wear it, and obviously that can have issues with, you know, perhaps power function and bruxism that sort of stuff is, is that would that count this is obviously me going back full circle to occlusion again no it, no exactly so it's somebody who basically shows that they're not compliant with other with other recommendations with other treatments. okay all right the next one is they're looking for the cheapest possible treatment if somebody's yeah. looking for the cheapest possible treatment that means if something goes wrong and you have to modify your treatment a little bit that person's just going to lose it and or they won't be able to they won't be able to afford the right treatment you know i I try to deliver really good treatment, but if somebody's trying to cut corners with everything, you really just can't get a good outcome. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. The next one is depression. It's really hard to work on somebody that has depression, especially if they're relying on you to mm. fix their problems, to get, mm. you know, it's too much, too much, um, too much pressure on you. Okay. Yep. All right. Some, another red flag is got a refund from a previous dentist for their work. <laughs> Absolutely. Or they say that, oh yeah, I just sued my, obviously I sued my other dentist and I'm here to you. That's got to watch out that one as well. Oh, sorry. So that, so sued. So that's actually my deal breakers category. Involved okay, in any, okay. any lawsuit, they're out of here. No, yep, no, no yep. second chances. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I have two more red flags. Next one is that they talk so much that they interrupt you during your explanation. So somebody that always interrupts you, they basically take up double the chair time of anybody else. Yep, true. And, and therefore, if, if, if I came to your clinic, I, I would probably not be getting an implant, but this is <laughs> something you have to do when you're podcasting. Sorry. But yeah, carry on. This is good. <laughs> All right. And, and, and the last one um, is just generally a bad vibe. So I trust my, my staff's vibes. If they get a bad vibe from somebody and they just can't explain it, I just I, I, I really listen to that. That counts as a red flag. Awesome. And honestly, I have no judgment. I have literally, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. There was zero judgment. Everything you said was completely reasonable, in my opinion. Uh, okay, well, well, thank you. That, that's, that's good to hear. Um, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm, I'm glad that we sympathize with each other because these are really important for me to keep my, my stress levels down and, and work family life. Because if you're, if you're not managing your stress, it spills over to your family life. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is you think about it at night before you go to sleep. Yes. You know, you think about, man, should I have done something different on that we're, case? We're all guilty of that. But yeah, deal breakers, go for it. So my, my deal breakers, I'm just going to list them all in one, in one uh, sentence. So drug abuser, involved in a lawsuit, complain to the dental board, uh, IV bisphosphonates, and a patient wants a bone in the mandible with um with radiation at above 55 grays so it's that's not their it's not their fault but it's just yeah. i'm not going to place implants on them 
Yes, because it's uh, it's high risk. It's high risk treatment that you know is you know as part of a life decision that you made to to have uh, less stress in your life that you're following that, and that's completely cool, man. Thank you. So so yeah, that that's how I filter my patients. So I filter it heavily, and I try. And I I've actually another thing that I've done um, for work life balance is raising my fees. Got to raise your fees mm-hmm. to uh, so mm-hmm. that way I feel good about the treatment that I'm doing. I feel good about spending more time with my patients, and um, I. I guess just jumping over to social media really quick, it's really hard to be yes. active on social media um, as, a, as a clinician. You know, if you're first, it's hard to capture the, uh, the media on your patients. You're stopping mid-procedure, you're taking pictures, you're taking video or something, you could potentially compromise your, your patient's treatment. And then in between patients, you're like posting and you got to write a you know, clever caption on your post. It's really hard. And I feel like people can get burnt out on it. And I, I was feeling burnt out on yes. it for sure. So. Okay, so how do you get around that one then? So it's it's all about the system. So before I was manually doing it, I was taking pictures, I was uploading, no more. Uh, I can't do that anymore. I am so busy that I have to have my team do it, but they have to follow my system. And so we developed a system for social media where um, we have, um, so for any on any given clinical day, I have implant surgery in the morning. We record that. And we have a system already. I have to do an intro, I do a voiceover, then I do an outro. Uh, they record that, and then. And this is like a Instagram story, <laughs> like like that. Sure, but the thing is, like, I don't make it. I don't make it. Um, before I used to make it so that I I take that and I put an Instagram in an Instagram story. But I want to make mm-hmm. sure that I get the highest return for my content because content is the hardest thing to make because it requires your time. So what I do yes. is I make one long form piece of content. So one long piece of content about my day. So that's going to be a clinical video. That's going to be something that interesting that happened to me throughout the day and some pictures of my cases. And then my staff will go ahead and process that into a video. They'll, they'll clip that into stories. They'll do it already for me. And they'll pull relevant mm-hmm. pictures that seem cool or, or little clips of video that seem cool. And then they will save that to automatically post using, you know, like, you know, one of those automated social media posting things. I, I, I use Hootsuite. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. that posted automatically. Yes, I'm familiar with Hootsuite, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they'll determine what's relevant for LinkedIn, what's relevant for IG post, Facebook post. So there's a lot of different social media outlets. So I want to try to get the most bang for my buck, so to speak, with my content, because that's mm-hmm, the hardest mm-hmm. thing to make. So... Now that I have a system, I, though, Ivan, I'm, I mean, I've got a picture of all these like seventeen-year-old um, girls working in your clinic, <laughs> because that's the only people who are so proficient with all this like technology stuff. I like, I feel as though if I was to implement this in where I work, they'd be like, "What the hell is this? What is an Instagram?" No, no, it's it's actually totally the opposite. I actually have, I mean, it's actually just. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not seventeen-year-old girls. I feel like it, the thing is, if you had a seventeen-year-old girl. Uh, you might not be able to stick to your regimen. So I'm very, very strict with my uh, with my protocol. We follow the protocol. Everybody's on the same page. The content gets distributed. Boom. Uh, it's good. Uh, so it's got to be very, very systematic. That's the only way to do it. And obviously, you've allocated um, protected time for your staff so that they can carry these uh, these duties out at the you know to the best of their ability and to be able to follow the system. They're not also at the same time as doing. Um, the sort of processing, taking phone calls and booking patients and being your treatment coordinator. How do you allocate these roles? <laughs> That's tough because in order to know what is interesting for social media, the person has to know what a dentist likes. So mm. it's actually my treatment plan coordinator. My treatment plan coordinator, um, at the end of the day, 
he will uh, he will look over all the videographer's footage. So I actually have a videographer also. So okay. He, all, all he does is record and edit. But my treatment plan coordinator will review all of the content, see what's interesting, uh, put it you know put it together chronologically, and then he will distribute everything. That is amazing. It, it saves me so much. I'm just uh, just amazed. It's so so, so good. So this is, uh, this is exactly what I wanted from you about work-life balance. So we already talked about how you keep stress levels low by filtering out uh, red flag patients. You talked about how uh, you're maximizing your time in the clinic uh, with the way that everything's arranged, with how the, the social media outlook is, uh, is happening. Is there anything else that you want to talk about social media-wise? Um, social media-wise, I so be- before I had a system, I kind of like held back on content production because it all depended on me. But now mm. that it's systematized, I can make as much like content as I want to because there's a system. And now I can go back and actually answer comments and DMs. It was really hard for me to keep up with DMs because I get like a hundred a day, and mm-hmm. then I don't want to be a jerk, you know, and like not really answer real answers. And a yeah. lot of people ask me also treatment planning questions in DMs. So that's something I still struggle with. But uh, I am actually getting back to everybody now. Um, that is really I, cool. I think that's it for social media, man. Uh, aside from that, just the, the, my last thing is I have a dedicated space for work in my house. So it's actually my garage. Okay. I have, I have a, a huge wall of just whiteboards, and that's where I plan. I have my computer there that I do all, all of my you know, uh, other work on, and I have a dedicated workbench. Uh, where I can do my my demonstrations and and, and things of that sort. So uh, I, I usually I usually get up really early, always early six o'clock, and knock out as much work as possible before eleven. So amazing. So you you obviously two days uh, clinical, a lot of uh, treatment happening those days, and then those other days you're you know you're working on your sort of um, social media aspect. You're recording footage. Your um, what what else are you doing? And you know on the in the non-clinical time? Sure. So for me, online education is the thing. That's like, if I could pick one thing, it's just online education. That I'm pushing that super hard because I think that is the hugest opportunity that's available to, uh, to dentists right now, or uh, I guess healthcare. Um, and so mm-hmm. I'm just pushing that. I'm actually working on getting into VR. So I ordered a virtual reality headset. Tomorrow I have a full arch surgery, and I'm gonna I'm gonna record yeah. it, and uh, I'm gonna record it with a with a 360 camera and my my macro camera. So I'm gonna record both. Um, aside from that, is amazing. Anyone who's listening, please check that out. That's gonna be especially if you're obviously um, placing implants or you're learning to place implants. To have to see it in the VR is uh, really cool. Do you know if anyone's done that already? I, I have no idea, but I yeah, <clears throat> if anybody's yeah. done it, I don't think they've done it well because I've checked out some some things like. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm, um, I really wanted to feel like you're like literally in my office. So that's, that's the goal. And it's, I'm just having a lot of fun with it. Uh, aside from that, it sounds like, and I can tell by the way you talk about it, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun in your life and that, that's exactly what it's all about. <laughs> Amazing. And that's a really nice story there. Brilliant. Uh, I, I think we've got uh, loads of good content there for, uh, you know, about work-life balance and about occlusion. I, 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 I really enjoy that. Thanks so much, Ivan. Um, any, anything else you want me to put in the podcast? Anything you want me to ask you for the podcast or anything? And also my, uh, my daughter is having a series of surgeries in the next couple months. And so if any of your listeners could mm-hmm. put out some good vibes for us, we're going to be relocating to Seattle to, uh, to have her, her surgery done. I'm going to have some dedicated time uh, just to help my family get through this. We're, uh, we're very positive about it and very optimistic, but you know, any, 
any prayers or, or you know good vibes would be appreciated oh that is very sweet well you know from the gulati household from my household we'll be sending all the positive vibes and and, and prayers and I, and I hope everyone there's a lot of power in uh, collective prayer they say so um, yeah. all the best to olivia for, for the surgery and all the best to you and your wife in terms of the stressful period you'll be going through but uh, i hope everything goes well and please you know get in touch let me let us know how it goes thanks so much jess so I hope you enjoyed that episode with Ivan. Uh, he shares lots of really lovely tips with, you know, implant inclusion, work-life balance. Um, you know, I wish his daughter, Olivia, all the best. And, you know, at the time of this episode coming out, he's probably in Seattle with his wife and, and Olivia uh, undergoing her operations. Uh, so I hope everything goes really well for you, Ivan, when you're listening to this. Uh, all, all the people listening to this podcast are with you and, you know, uh, our thoughts are with your family. Thanks for sharing some amazing knowledge with us really appreciate all the stuff about red flags uh, and deal breakers which i think everyone will love thanks for listening as always everyone thank you for uh, all all the kind words you've been sending to me uh, over the last couple of months really appreciate it uh, and once again uh, join the facebook page protrusive dental podcast i share a few in educational stuff on there uh, so please do like the page and share it next episode I've got a couple recorded actually I think next one will be Pratik Biyani uh, and it will be for dental students how to smash your dental exams I've also got uh, a, a few more which I'll, I'll, I'll sort of lay out on my Facebook page uh, but thanks again for listening really appreciate it uh, leave me a review on any sort of podcasting platform that you're listening on and uh, catch you next time